Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host Marie Hewa and I hope the holiday bunny filled everyone's baskets with lots of goodies this morning. And for those of you who are now the proud owners of baby bunnies, Jeff Isbell will be in shortly to give you some tips on basic bunny care. And aside from rabbits, it's that time of year again when people are having a lot more encounters with wildlife and may even need to find help for injured critters. Well, after our halftime break, Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates will be checking in, and she has some great advice for everyone who may have had or is going to have a close encounter with wild neighbors. All this and more are just on the other side of the break, here on the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome back to the show Jeffrey Isbell, our Pet Place Animal Guide. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi, Marie. I'm great. How about you? I'm doing pretty well on this lovely Easter morning. <laughs> and I suspect a lot of people out there now have some bouncing baby bunnies oh. uh, <laughs> that came <laughs> to the home for the holiday. Yeah. So so if you're one of those folks who now is in this position and, and you got your bunny on an impulse and you really didn't prepare and you're now saying to yourself, what do I do? Got some advice, Jeff? I do have advice. <laughs> you know, bunnies in our culture, bunnies and children, is an iconic image. Uh, Peter Rabbit, Br'er Rabbit, well, maybe not Br'er Rabbit, but you read those books to children, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody pictures bunnies and children going together well. And you know, the funny thing is, while they can be a pretty good uh, mix, they're not a great match. They're very fragile animals. In fact, if they squirm, their their backs can actually break. That's right. Children uh, don't necessarily know the best way to show their love. They can be enthusiastic, and that might be great for some situations, but not for a bunny. So if a, a little child is holding a bunny and, and not giving it proper support, but they've just got their arms around its middle. Well, the best way to pick up a bunny is to support its its feet, its hindquarters, and its front quarters with two hands. That may not seem like you're asking a lot, but that's, that's kind of a lot to expect from a small child, mm-hmm. particularly when they've watched the cartoons where bunnies get carried by their ears, which oh, yeah. that's terrible. You that's, never want to uh, do that. No, you never want to do that. So you want to, most of the time, you want to pick up a bunny yourself and then gently put it in your child's lap who should probably already be sitting, right? Yes, that's the best way to go. And then they can pet it for a while, and you need to make sure you supervise. Remember, rabbits have very sharp claws, don't they? Rabbits have very, think about the shape of a rabbit, huge hind legs. After all, they're hopping animals. That's how they escape danger and so on. Uh, When they apply all that force through their hind, hind legs in defense, they can cause quite a bit of damage. If you've ever read the book Watership Down, there's a lot of stuff in that story about the power and the uh, the potential danger 
of a rabbit's uh, hind legs. doesn't mean you should be afraid to have one. Yeah, because just, they could be very loving pets. Yeah, yeah. But you, you just have to be careful. You can also learn how to, um, you know, swear in rabbit language and by reading that book. But <laughs> I don't, I, Does that really work? I don't know if it really works. Maybe even for very small children, you might even want to put a nice heavy blanket on their lap, too, just as a precaution to make sure How they small? Don't. What are you thinking? Um, under five, maybe even under ten, because children have such soft skin. They're, they, they're so easily scratched by by. Well, claws. bunnies have personalities, just like any other animal. And uh, there's something special about holding a bunny. I think, I think that uh, for a more... For a slow-paced, quiet home, that's a it's a great pet. Okay. They they can be played with just like any other animal, but you never know when you're going to get one that's going to suddenly panic. And yeah, the blanket on the lap is a great idea because you might have a have a bunny who gets afraid. Right. A, a dog might come charging in the room all of a sudden when you didn't expect it to, and that's going to be a really bad situation. Yeah. Well, it's really important to take the proper precaution to create the environment that the bunny will feel safe in. You know, the number one reason that uh, bunnies end up being given away, taken back to animal shelters... A few weeks after Easter, usually. A few weeks after Easter, is that people didn't know what they were getting into. They uh, go ahead and carry the bunny by the front legs, then they find out maybe they're going to have a vet bill, or a child gets scratched or bitten, and suddenly, oh, this is too much trouble... And now you have another animal in a shelter, which is the last thing we need. Right, and shelters just get overwhelmed with bunnies and and bunny rescues, too, shortly after Easter. So please make this a commitment that's going to last for the the lifetime of your bunny. Which could be uh, seven to ten years. Yeah. I don't want to uh, paint a negative picture. A bunny is a very special pet, and if you're suited for a bunny and a bunny is suited for you, you're going to have a great relationship. I know lots of of single adults who have had bunnies, and they just rave about these animals as pets. They're affectionate, they're playful, they're funny, and they don't keep them in cages, too, which is the key here. If you want to have a pet with a personality, don't lock it up in a cage 24-7 and put a little food and water out there and look at it. This really is one of those things where it's best to forget the old common sense knowledge that everybody thinks they used to know. Mm Uh, You know, you don't put them in a hutch. Throw away the hutch. Ban the hutch. (laughs) If you you want to get your your bunny a hutch, I'll tell you what. I'll give you my stamp of approval as long as you put wire all over your floor and walk around barefoot on it. (laughs) And if you think that's fine, then maybe I'm wrong. But, (laughs) But meanwhile, it's better to give them a solid floor to walk on. And most of their day should be spent with you. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. companion animals, and and they can be litter box trained too. Well, they can. In many ways, a bunny is just like. Uh, well, I really don't want to compare them to another animal, but they live in the house the same way that a cat can. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll come to you. They like to play tug. You can play games with them, where they'll climb over things, walk up ramps, jump over things. They'll groom you. They love you. Yeah, they're sentient beings. They have little personalities, and they need a way to be intellectually stimulated and emotionally stimulated, and living a life in a cage is not going to do that for them. No, but you need to have a good uh, carry. Uh, you need you need a cage for them, which, just like any other animal, can become its, its safe its place, den, its yeah. little den. 
and you need to have a carrying box. Um, in you know, case of emergency, in case you need of, to take it to the vet or exactly. whatever. And you need to be prepared in in a lot of ways. It's It's not an expensive pet to own, but you will have to make a little bit of an investment once you bring that bunny home or... Now that you have it at home, you might be wondering what it needs. Right, and and what kind of food do you give it? I know you want to give it plenty of fresh vegetables that are clean and washed and ready to go, but, but what else do you need to give it? Well, the number one thing that's most important for a rabbit is hay. Okay. And in case you didn't understand me, I wasn't just calling out to Marie. I, it's actual <laughs> hay. Uh, for example, Timothy Hay, and that's not a person's name, when I first heard of Timothy and Brome, I thought it was a law firm for rabbits. <laughs> but actually, those are two very popular types of hay okay. that you can get for your rabbit. And you would get those at your local uh, pet supply store or feed store. Yeah, if you have sto- if you have good storage space, you can buy a whole bale of hay. Mm-hmm. That'll last you about 100,000 years. <laughs> I'm not sure of the exact number. but Or not. <laughs> and you may, you'll, you'll need to have some storage space. And you want to make sure it's dry because if it gets damp and moldy, you, you wouldn't want to be giving that to your pet. Yeah, good hay will will have uh, they'll have a description of how they've how the hay has been handled. Okay. But they also need uh, pellets. And these are all vitamin enriched, nutrient fortified uh, pellets that that supplement everything else that you're giving to make sure that your your rabbit has everything it needs. Yeah, you ask your good your your pet store for a good high quality pellet. You don't want the ones that have the little colored uh, colored treats in them, little knickknacks of various colors. It's just a good, serious, solid, nutritious pellet. Okay, and rabbits also need to chew on things, don't they? Just like a uh, well, I, I have a parrot, and I keep finding myself comparing it in my mind to a parrot. <laughs> yeah, they have to have things to chew on, or they will find things to chew on. Like your baseboards. Your and your electrical cords. and Your, your uh, shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So keep them in sort of a bunny-proof area. You know how you can get child-proof fencing that you put in your house? Oh, that sounds funny to call it that. It's just a little bunny-proofed area, a safe place where there's nothing in there that's going to uh, well, cause you grease if they chew it. And <laughs> And you just um, you know that your rabbit is safe. There's no electrical areas that can. Yeah. Hurt if you it. had a creature that had powerful hind legs and teeth that never stopped growing, where would you keep it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see, a metal room. <laughs> <laughs> but give it cardboard to chew on. Give it all kinds of chew toys. Even an old telephone directory. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got lots of those. I get a new one on my front porch every month. I think. Yeah. You just <laughs> pop it in there and they chew it up. Okay, a little recycle uh, bin. And you can ask you you can ask at your pet store for any advice. You you're not necessarily going to remember everything we talk about today. Okay, and you can also call the Benny Bench at bennybench.org or your local animal shelter. They have a wealth of information. Sounds great. Jeff, this was excellent advice for all the people who have bunnies today. So thanks for sharing today. Thanks for having me. I'd like to remind everyone out there who has a brand new bunny, remember. This is a commitment that will last for the lifetime of your pet, so please take that seriously. It's time now for our halftime break, but when we return, Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates has more advice for you, but this time it's about our wild neighbors who live in the urban setting. Lots of important stuff is just ahead, so keep it tuned to Retro 1260 for more of the Pet Place Radio Show. 
Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to welcome to our show Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having me here today. I am so pleased that you are here today because so often I hear stories about people who have had encounters with wildlife and they think uh, opossums are going to come steal their children in the <laughs> middle of the night and coyotes are going to grab their cats who happen to be outdoors and, you know, stories like that. So I would love for you to give our listeners some, some tips on living safely with urban wildlife and kind of dispel some of the myths about them. Well, a lot of people think that if you're in Los Angeles, it's a city, there's not going to be wildlife here, so they don't expect them. So sometimes they'll see wild animals and they'll say, hey, we've got to get rid of it. Um, and then sometimes you're just walking at night and you'll see like a raccoon or an opossum. Some people get a little bit frightened, but there really is not much to worry about. As long as you don't, say, corner a raccoon, they just want to run away from you. They don't want to harm you. They just want to get away. their business. That's mm-hmm. right. What are some tips that people can do to make their homes less attractive to wildlife? The most important thing is not to um, attract the wildlife. You don't want to provide the three essential things, which is food, water, and shelter. Okay. So if you don't want wildlife in your backyard, don't leave cat food out. Um, don't leave water out for the pets. Uh, lock your garbage bins or else you'll get opossums and raccoons in there. Mm-hmm. And pick up dropped fruit. Otherwise, you'll also get um, skunks and even coyotes would be attracted to that. Okay. And the cool thing about opossums in neighborhoods is they're actually kind of like nature's little cleanup crew. They are. They're definitely nature's gardeners. They're a wonderful thing to have in your backyard because they eat roaches. They eat slugs. They love roaches. Wow. And they eat, um, they can sometimes eat baby mice and baby rats. Okay. They eat dropped fruit, and they'll eat, um, if there's a dead animal, they'll eat that too. Yeah, so so they are our sanitation crew, and we don't even have to pay them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very, very green. Okay. But you don't want to keep these guys as pets. No, um, it wouldn't, it's not legal to keep wildlife as pets, of mm-hmm. course. But it wouldn't be a good idea because they are wild animals, and they're not like tame like domestic dogs and cats. Okay, and mm-hmm. and of course, uh, a lot of people are concerned about rabies. What kind of risk really is involved with an opossum having rabies? Well, opossums are probably the least likely animal to have rabies. Um, the rabies vector species in our area, the most common one is the bat, and it seems to be around Long Beach. And I personally think they're coming in through the ports. And then after that, it would be the the skunk mm-hmm. in the nor- up in Northern California and the raccoon in Northern California. Okay. Those are the most likely now, raccoons tend to carry a parasite that is potentially dangerous for yes. people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's it's the roundworm parasite. Okay. And um, if you were to ingest the eggs of a roundworm, um, it, you could um, potentially go blind. You could even die from it. But the risk is extremely, extremely low. The only way you're really going to contact it is if you eat fresh raccoon poop. <laughs> and who is going to do that? Little kids crawling around on your yard. On their hands and knees, yes. and then they put their hands in Especially their mouth. Especially little babies that are cr- that are crawling. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, that have been infected by the roundworm. Okay, so you clean up, you make sure mm-hmm. your kids wash your hands, and you don't put your little ones down on the ground. Yeah, don't let the baby <laughs> crawl on the lawn. Okay, it's especially not if you know thing. you've got raccoons around, and chances exactly. are you probably do. <laughs> In L.A., we have a wide variety of wildlife. People are amazed when they see skunks in the city, a coyote in downtown L.A., but we have them. That's right, which is another reason why you should not have your cats be outdoor pets. 
Yes. Um, not only that, but your cat's more likely to be killed by a dog than a coyote. Okay. And then your your cat's more likely to be hit by a car than mm-hmm. to be eaten by a dog or a coyote. There are many dangerous things out there, and it's always safer to have your cat indoors, fewer veterinary bills, and they'll live a lot longer. What I think, though, about um, cats and coyotes is, you know, we put out dog food in big giant bowls outside, and the coyotes go, oh, cool, I'm going to have a little meal. And then we put out our trash, and we don't keep it securely covered, and the coyotes go, hey, this is great. The humans are giving me so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden, we put our big old fat lazy house cat out the door, and the coyote goes, hmm, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The, in the coyote's mind, it thinks it's its birthday. Oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. And... um they're more likely to eat your domestic pet because it's e- easier to catch than their real um, sure. prey, which is ground squirrels and bunnies. That makes mm-hmm. up 85% of their diet. So if you keep your kitties indoors, they're going to be safe from everything, cars, dogs, wildlife, diseases, other cats, you name it. Exactly. And if you love your pet, that's what you should be doing. Yes, small dogs too. Small dogs too, I know. Well, you know, so many people leave their dogs just out in the backyard, mm-hmm. and from what I've gathered, a fence really doesn't keep a coyote out. Um, coyotes, they can they can climb trees a little bit. They can um, jump six-foot fences. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely amazing in their ability to leap. You either need an, an eight-foot fence or else you need a six-foot fence with like a coyote roller on the top. Okay. So it's best to make your dogs indoor pets, too, and then take them out for walks. On, on a leash. leash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just if you know you're in a coyote area... And like we've talked about, most areas do have wildlife. You know, just use some common sense precautions. Now, what if you find an injured wild animal and you want to help? Uh, What should you do? Should you go out and try and wrap it up in a towel and call you? What's the best way? Yeah, I guess it depends upon the animal. If you find um, an ill um, or injured wild animal that's, let's say it's a raccoon or a bobcat or coyote, Immediately call a wildlife rehabilitator and have okay, them so pick it up. Okay, so you don't want to try and handle it yourself. Not the larger ones. Okay. I, it wouldn't be a good idea. But if you were to find, let's say, um, an injured little baby squirrel, I would just put on some thick leather gloves just to be safe. I've never been bitten by a baby squirrel. <laughs> and then gently pick it up and put it into a box or a carrier and then call the rehabilitator. Okay. Now, a lot of people this time of year are also telling me stories about mallard ducks that are ending up in their swimming pools and uh, being followed by trailer babies. What do you say to those ducks? It's that time of year. It's baby season for, for mammals and for birds. And I've been getting a lot of duck calls. And um, the best thing is just to um, leave them alone, but make sure there's a way for them to get out of your yard. And the pool, too. Yes. What can you put in the pool to help the little ducklings get out? Because I know that they can't mm. hop from the water onto the ledge unless they have something that they could crawl on. Some people put um, a little board down next to where the steps are. Okay. Or maybe put some more bricks where the steps are so they can easily be able to get out. Okay. And uh, there's actually some cool little floaty things that you can get that will help your dog, but they also help ducks oh, and ducklings, what, too. What's I, it called? I can't remember the name of the product, mm-hmm. but it's it's a little pool safety thing for people who oh. have dogs who, who may accidentally end up Well, in that's a, a great idea. And yeah. at the very least, you know, sometimes um, squirrels will bend over to get a drink and fall in, and if you could just, like, tie a towel or something or even just a rope to the um Something that the they can get their claws yeah, anything. into. Yeah, just so they can climb out, because otherwise they'll... And skunks, too, can end up in the pool, so oh, a little wow. ramp for them to get out is good. Okay, that's great advice. And 
Let's talk about fledgling birds since we're on the subject of, of ducks and birds. I've noticed that when people see little fledgling birds that they think they're injured because they're flopping around on the ground and they can't fly. What's your advice to the folks who see these well, little guys? All birds in, in our area have to fledge except hummingbirds. They're the only birds that can fly directly out of the nest. Oh, wow. The rest of the birds have to fledge on the ground for three to seven days. That means that long. they're hopping on the ground and they're building muscles and learning how to fly. Okay. And during that time, mom and dad, they will continue to feed them, and the little bird will try to hide in your yard somewhere, and mommy and daddy will come and feed them. And so you don't want to snatch them up and put them in a box and call animal control? You know, it's a maternal-paternal instinct. You see a little in what you think is an injured baby. You want to help it. You want to save it. But all if you take it, you'll just end up kidnapping it. And poor mom and dad, too. Yeah. Where's my kid? Well, with crows, <laughs> if you were to get next to their fledgling baby, they'll come swooping down on you. Oh, I had an interesting experience. I worked for many years in animal control, and I got a call for an injured baby owl. Wow. <laughs> and so I drove up, and I saw him, and I looked all around, and I couldn't see Mom and Dad anywhere. And so I thought, well, I'll just check and make sure it's okay and not injured. And so I got out of my vehicle, and I walked over to where he was. And owls don't make any noise when they fly. <laughs> and I was wearing a little baseball cap, and all of a sudden, swoop, you know, and, and this big old giant owl just struck me on my head, <laughs> grabbed my hat, and just started yelling at wow. me. And I said, whoa, okay, Mom, I'll leave your little baby alone. <laughs> Wildlife moms are great moms. They want their babies. They want to take care of their babies. They'll defend their babies. I was just glad I was wearing a hat. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Although crows will do the same thing, so mm -hmm. will scrub jays, so will mockingbirds. Oh, yeah, mockingbirds are amazing. They'll they'll just head on down and dive bomb you and peck you. It's quite something for a little guy considering they probably don't have a chance against you if you really knew what you were doing. And, exactly. But they don't seem to know it, and they'll do everything and anything to keep their babies safe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's talk about some of the larger wild animals. Occasionally we hear about bobcats and mountain lions uh, roaming around some of the more foothill-type neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the precautions people should take? What should they look out for? What should they do if they spot one of these guys? Well, a bobcat, that's not going to be a threat. Mm -hmm. They are very, very wild, and they'll be running away from you. A mountain lion is another thing. We have only a few mountain lions in the area. Uh, some of them are collared, but the most important thing is if you were to see a mountain lion, um, well, most important is don't go hiking by yourself. Okay. If you're there with two people, they're less likely to attack. If you see one, try to look as big as you can. Put your arms over your head, yell, scream, throw rocks at them. Okay. And you want them to, to leave you alone. But the most important thing is prevention and always hike with someone else if you're up in the hills. Now, if you have kids and you're all hiking as a big group, you don't want any of your kids to run, run away because they're basically breaking away from the pack. Yeah, exactly. And that's the type of animal that a mountain lion would look for, the one who broke away from the herd. They would prefer the smaller animal. And uh, another thing is they will attack from behind. Oh. And that's because um, their the main food is deer. Okay. And if, a deer, if they were to attack the deer from the front, they could get um, horns. Okay. So they like to get the deer or anything from the back, break its neck instantly. Okay. So that's why you want to always face it. Don't run away. That gets its predator, its prey instinct going, and it will run after you. So stand, look big, yell, scream, throw rocks. Don't yeah, run away. Yeah, the little kid, put your kid on your shoulders yes. too. Okay. Yeah, don't show your back. Okay. That's great advice. And let's talk also now about rattlesnakes. 
since we're out hiking and we got our kids and maybe even our dog, um, what are some precautions with respect to um, rattlesnakes? Well, it is rattlesnake season. People have been spotting them hiking already. And the most important thing is to have your dog on a leash because your dog doesn't understand what it is. It wants to investigate. It wants to bark, and then it'll, it'll probably be bitten. Okay. And then with your kids, keep them close. Tell them, you know, if, if you see a snake, leave it alone. Just walk away from it. Okay. So they're not going to come chasing after you. Generally, when you find them, you're hiking and it's sunny out. They're just laying out in the middle of the pathway trying to warm up. Okay, so give them a wide berth and you'll yes. be okay. Yes, exactly. And if you see anyone around you, tell them, watch out for the rattlesnake, it's right here. Some people don't <laughs> see it. They don't have the best vision. They think it's a stick in the road, mm-hmm. and then that's when they might accidentally be bitten. Okay, and also, young men seem to be very, very prone to getting bitten <laughs> by rattlesnakes, and I think it's because there's a little too much beer drinking going on mm-hmm. and saying, hey, dude, try and pick it up. Yeah, poke it with a stick. <laughs> So don't do that. <laughs> a lot of accidents happen that way. Yeah, yeah, accidents. That's mm-hmm. just being really nice, Mary. <laughs> okay, I know that uh, we've covered a lot of topics and there's so much more, but I'm going to have to let you go. So let's tell folks what your website is in case they want to ask you more questions. The website is www.animaladvocates.us. Okay, and one more time in case somebody was slow to grab on a pen. It's www.animaladvocates.us. .us. Search um, Animal Advocates Los Angeles. You'll find us. Very good. Mary, I'm so pleased you were able to come talk to us today about urban wildlife, and I wish you all the best with everything you do. Thank you. Same to you. It's time now for our last break of the morning, but when we return, we've got Pet Place news and events, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show here on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. On April 17th, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., join the largest gathering of humans ever in one place for the purpose of learning the animal life-saving skills of pet first aid and CPR in conjunction with National Pet First Aid Awareness Month. That's this month, the month of April. Head on over to Woodbury University Auditorium at 7500 Glen Oaks Boulevard in Burbank to learn rescue breathing and CPR, what to do for a choking pet, how to give your dog or cat a head-to-tail checkup exam, Check up on vitals including respiration, pulse, temperature, capillary refill time, and hydration. How to handle chocolate poisoning, snake bites, heat strokes, and so much more. Adults are just $15 in advance and $20 a day of event. Children under 12 are just $5 in advance and $10 on the day of event. Proceeds will benefit the volunteers of the Burbank Animal Shelter. And for more information, visit www.pawstronomical.com or www.sunnydoginc.com. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.